Who am I? That's the name. That's the title of my sermon. Let's real quickly go to Exodus. Exodus 3, 7 through 14. Exodus 3, 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, I will certainly be with you. He said that this morning to us. I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, thus shall you say, I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. The Hebrew is E-H-Y-E-H, like like, Ayah, Asher, Ayah, Ayer, Asher, Ayah. So God says, I am who I am. I have a question today. Are you who you are? Are you who you are? Or have you stepped into yourself yet? Have you been thwarted from coming into who God says you are? Who you are is supposed to be who God says you are. Have you been thwarted from coming into that place? Are you all that you are? I think probably God is the only one all the time that can say, I am who I am fully. But see, we should be progressing into that place of being all that God says we are. But there's an enemy of our soul, and his job is to rob us, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he tries, you know, we we are so worried about identity theft nowadays. The devil is always trying to steal our identity. He's always trying to take from us who we really and rightfully are in him. But sometimes we make his job a lot easier for him than we should. One thing the devil can never do is stop you from obeying God. He can't stop you from obeying God. And, you know, I've, I've taught before, I'm going to brush over this, but you can obey your way to freedom, but you can disobey your way into bondage. And Satan will try to get you to push the boundaries. See, what you, you didn't used to tolerate, he'll get you to tolerate a little more and a little more and a little more until you're way outside of the parameters of who God says you are. And so Satan uh, deals in lies. God deals in truth. Truth produces life. Truth sets you free. Truth produces revelation and light. It produces order and clarity. It's found in his word. So there's nothing about truth that we should not want. But the truth is also that either we are always pulling down strongholds or strongholds are always pulling us down. We're always taking our thoughts captive or thoughts are taking us captive. And so we can't just be passive. We can't just do nothing and expect to become all that God says that we are. And it's much easier to teach people to understand than for them to receive. 
Receiving is another thing entirely. A lot of people hear the gospel and they even understand it, but they never receive Jesus fully. You know, I read something that grieved me too, Izzy, and it was this whole article in one of the news icons that we'll never go back to church now after COVID. And they started giving their reasons why. And this reporter actually went and interviewed people and had all these 15, 16, 17 reasons why people are never going back to church. But as I read the reasons, not one of those people really had a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. See, it was about people, it was about church, it was about this belief, it was about that, you know, situation. None of them really knew God, and it was obvious. So you can sit and and hear the gospel all day and even think you understand, but you've never received something on the inside of you that changed you. And so whether it's hearing from God or healing from God, we have to receive both of those things. See, we can't just understand it. We can't just go, okay, I, I understand that. Some people in the room are hearing God say this. There's a transaction while where you have to open yourself up and start to receive, receive some things from God. You have to sort of let loose of yourself and let loose of, of all your inhibitions and allow God to take you to a place that maybe is not quite familiar to you. Heart substance can be transmitted from one person to another. This morning there was an atmosphere. There was like a substance of God in the room and, and it was just transferring. People that normally wouldn't even feel that way. People that come in, you know, after knee surgery. I'm sure there's some pain attached to that. But I saw Claire, and at one point, she just looked ecstatic in the Lord, sitting in her seat. How can you be ecstatic right after knee surgery? You know, but the presence of God is here. And it, can, it is transmitted in the room. And so there's an atmosphere that's created. And I believe that we have been strong in hearing from God. And now God says, I want you to use your hearing for healing. I want you to use your hearing for healing. How many people need healing for something? For something. For something in the room. See, it's not just the people with life-threatening conditions. See, there's a lot of little somethings that we tolerate in our life. And we let the devil push the boundaries. And we go, you know, I have this little melanoma, but it's not stage four cancer. You know, I don't want to bother God with that. Like, God's too busy for me. But see, the Bible says that believers are supposed to lay hands on the sick, and they are supposed to recover. There's a lot of reasons why we don't receive healing. And some churches major in the reasons not to receive healing. The if it be thy will prayer is not a prayer. It's a confession of fear and unbelief. Because if you read the Bible, you know it is his will. It is always his will to heal. But people don't always get healed. I know that. People don't always get saved, but it's his will to save them. And so, therefore, there are things in the word, and we've got to decide to line up with the word no matter what experience around us is going on. There are reasons that people fail to receive. I'm not an idiot. I get it. I know that. But we want our failure rate to decrease and decrease and decrease and decrease until pretty soon we have an atmosphere of healing. I went in 1988 and 89, this isn't even in here, to Kenneth Hagin's prayer and healing school. I was sick for a year and a half. We couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. They thought it was neurological. They thought a virus had attacked my central nervous system. They weren't sure. People would go in there and just sit under the teaching for day after day after day after day, and they would just come out healed because there was just an atmosphere of healing. Now, for me, I ended up falling on the floor when they prayed for me one day, and on the floor, God started talking to me. And he told me there were some things in my heart I had to get rid of, I had to let go of, some old wounds from the past that I let, had to let him deal with, some responsibilities, false responsibilities that I had around me that were, that were creating pressure in my life, and I needed to let those go. See, sometimes there are prerequisites, but there are things that God wants to do, but he always wants to heal us. People fail to receive insufficient instruction, ignorance concerning God's healing power. 
The Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe, meaning a corporate body of believers. So sometimes that agreement is missing. I remember when I was a young Christian and I was just born again and my spiritual mother would say, who needs prayer? And someone need prayer for healing. And, the, and she'd go, everyone come up if you believe. Well, I wasn't sure if I believed enough, so I, I really didn't want to ruin their agreement. And I would just stand back and wait until I felt a little more built up in the faith. But see, sometimes there's corporate agreement that's missing. And so that's why it's important when we're praying for somebody, it's important what you're doing in your seat. Even if you're not sick, even if you're not the person with the word of knowledge. Community unbelief. The Bible says Jesus, Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. The healing part of the gospel, number four, is sometimes hindered and made void by the traditions of men. You know, it says the traditions of men can make the word of God of no effect. What are traditions? Tradition of, well, I'm just glorifying God in my sickness. You know, in my suffering, he's teaching me something. See, that's a tradition of man that is making the word of God void and of no effect. God sent this to me. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Maybe God doesn't want to heal me, that if it be thy will. And then Paul's thorn in the flesh. You know, people that don't know a thing about the Bible think they know so much about Paul's thorn in the flesh. <laughs> but the truth is, this word here, a thorn, if you don't drive a thorn out, you know, it'll stick in you. The word is translated a constant annoyance. It's, it's an expression used all through the Bible. It means a person or persons who is an annoyance. The word buffet, that that thing buffeted Paul, means uh, to bring repeated blows. So the Lord wanted him to get rid of this thing. It was not a disease. It was a satanic personality. And so people can pull one scripture out of context, misinterpret it as a reason not to receive healing. Because people want to be in control of God. Because you can't explain everything about God. You have to receive it by faith and believe it by faith. And there are some things you will never be able to explain to others. And so that means you might look foolish. But I would rather look foolish and get 50 healings than understand everything and have everybody sick. But we can explain why they're sick. And so we feel better about ourselves. But they don't feel better. Number seven, Jesus could heal, but we can't. He said, greater work shall you do than these. You can't pick and choose. You've got to take a harmony of scriptures. Sometimes we break natural laws, and that's why we cannot eat French fries. Like, remember the movie uh, Super Size Me? You know, you can't eat McDonald's three meals a day and expect to be well. But you know what? Even if you've broken some natural laws and then you realize that's why you are sick, God is merciful, and he is gracious, and he is willing to heal. Sometimes you have unbelief of your elders and ministers. I'm telling you, things flow down from the head. And if you're in a place where the leaders are in unbelief, it's very hard to have a lot of faith. Number 10, affliction can be caused by an evil spirit. Affliction, sometimes a, a spirit of infirmity might need to be cast out. Cammie, you, you've heard me say it many times, easy discerned that a curse had been put on her by a specific person in her chemistry class uh, for, for these boils that she was having all over her body. He broke the curse and the boils stopped. We were praying for healing. We've been praying for healing for a long time, but it wasn't healing. There was a satanic thing that needed to be dealt with. Sometimes there's sin in our heart. Now, the problem with me even wanting to, I, I don't like saying that one because the wrong people always think they're the people with the sin in their heart. The people with the sin in their heart think they're okay, and the people without the sin in their heart are all worried and get condemning and, and start searching and think something's wrong with them, okay? Sometimes we're holding unforgiveness, and God will say, you need to let go of that because it's weighing on you. And if you get that weight off you, then other things in your body can fall in line. And then looking for miracles only. Somebody once said, 
well, if God doesn't do it by Wednesday at 3 o'clock, well, then I know I'm supposed to go to the doctor and get this surgery. I'm like, whoa. So we, we put a deadline. Nothing's wrong with going to the doctor and getting the surgery, but don't do that, okay? Because it might be a healing. It might be a miracle. It might take some time. He might use a combination of medicine and, and supernatural. But we, we can't categorize it and box it into one little way that if God doesn't work this way, he's not going to do anything else. Sometimes people have a belief in the doctrine of divine healing, but not personal faith to be healed. See, it's mental assent. I mentally agree that God wants people healed, but I never can get it down in me. It's about me sometimes. Sometimes there are casualty covenants. Oh, you know, everybody in my family has had diabetes, so I guess I am too. You are making a covenant with the devil. You can break generational curses. You don't have to invite them in and say you're going to partake of them. See, that is a covenant for a casualty to happen. It's a wrong agreement. When I was sick during that time in 88 and 89, my aunt said that a doctor told her if you had this kind of condition a certain length of time, you would end up in a wheelchair. And she was foolish enough to say that to me. And when the symptoms would get bad, I would have a picture of myself in a wheelchair. See, the devil will agree and bring mental pictures for you to agree with. And I would go, no, no, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Now, if I'd have meditated on it long enough, I could have maybe ended up in that wheelchair. And so there are things that the enemy tries to do to get us to mentally agree with him. We've got to agree with God. But the good news is there's more ways. Say more ways. More ways to be healed than to keep you from being healed. See, that's the good news. The Bible says there are gifts with an S, plural, gifts of healing. Some people are very good at praying for the deaf and the deaf are healed. Some people pray a lot of countries and a lot of people with blind eyes get healed. Dan prayed with people when he was in Dallas a lot and other, people's leg would grow out, their arm would grow out. See, some gifts, there are many gifts. There's probably a multiplicity of gifts. I don't even know how many. How many conditions are there? That many gifts. Gifts of healing. Various diseases, various gifts. Word of knowledge. Easy and I, when we were first married, we did actually more ministry, uh, pulpit ministry than we do now. Because we were somewhere, I, I taught two Bible studies a week and I spoke at women's conferences and about three weekends a, a month, we would travel and he would go somewhere to meetings in the early several years of our marriage. And he would call out words of knowledge. And he would say, uh, you in the third row, you had an accident three weeks ago and it's hurt your knee. And the man would go, yes, come up and get healed. Uh, lady in the red dress, you know, you've been having headaches. You've been waking up in the middle of the night and you're praying for your son. Okay, word of knowledge, though, that would bring healing to people. Because they would realize God, God read their mail, he cared, he had their number, and faith rose and immediately they could receive. Before they maybe had a mental assent to the fact that God might do that, but now all of a sudden it was personal. Words of wisdom. Sometimes I remember Norval Hayes' daughter had a situation and somebody had a word of, of wisdom, you need to take a certain vitamin. She started taking that vitamin and got well. Word of wisdom. Gift of faith where faith just rises up in you and you have faith for whatever it is. We knew a man who was in Dallas in the 1960s and he just, he walked up to this person, this person died and he just had faith that he could raise him from the dead and he did. Raising people from the dead doesn't just happen in Africa and India and you know, with David Hogan. But see, the gift of faith. Now, can I raise everybody from the dead? No, and, and also at some point we do have to die and, and you know, it's appointed unto man to die. But sometimes the appointment is not when you think it is and people die too soon and, and God says, oh no, 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 it's not time. And you might have the gift of faith to raise them up. The working of miracles. Miracles are instant. 
Miracles are right now. You see the effect. Easy prayed for somebody. I was walking over to Camby to pray for her, and he turned and he goes, check that goiter. It'll be gone to the other girl. Right that moment, within 30 seconds to a minute of when he prayed with her, a goiter, a large growth on her neck was gone. A miracle, instantaneously. Sometimes it's just the healing, though, that is slower. But in all these ways, we've got to have perseverance, and we've got to keep believing. You know, people have said, I prayed for 15 deaf people and nobody got healed. And then I prayed for 30 deaf people and nobody got healed. And then I prayed some more for deaf people and I got, nobody got healed. But uh, at nine, ten months later, after being on the mission field, I prayed for some deaf people and they got healed. And then three more deaf people got healed. And then four more deaf people got healed. And so if they had given up anywhere along the way, not, nobody would have gotten healed. And so sometimes there's perseverance. Before 1989, Easy and I both ministered, but in parachurch ministry. We were not pastors. We were not, didn't have any title. We didn't, you know, no ministry paid us anything, but we ministered all the time. And I did a lot of stuff in emotional healing. Easy was used a lot in physical healing. But in 1989, it was prophesied that we were going to start a work. And in this work, the man of God was Dale Gentry. We're actually going to a meeting that he's having this week. He said, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a church or a work or what, but I, I see a, a man of God laying hands on you. I see you being ordained and going into full-time ministry. And we were like, no, that's not what we wanted to do. But he said, in this ministry, there will be emotional healing and physical healing. See, both. And this is sort of out of my realm to teach on physical healing at all because that's usually Easy's forte. And whenever he preaches, there's going to be faith in it. But God has given him the gift of faith, and then he operated in these other gifts. But I want to add for us, because, see, we're walking into a place where there's got to be a corporate anointing, a corporate revival. It's not the one-man show anymore. It's not the Elijah ministry where one man does it all. It's the Elisha, the body ministry. All of us are, are included, but then there will be double the miracles, triple the miracles, four times the miracles. And so every one of you has a job. See, and maybe you're not who you are because you haven't taken your place. Because the Bible says that believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Not just the pastors, not just the worship leader, not just a few people that you know have the gift of healing, but believers. And so that means if you're born again in the room, that includes you. And so you have to start expecting that wherever you go. Easy was at Minuti Coffee Shop, and the lady had tape down her leg, and, and he, didn't, he didn't know what it was. And he says, I didn't want to talk to the woman and think that I was flirting with her. I go, honey, you were in your 70s. She was like 32. She, she's fine. She just thinks you're her grandpa. I go, don't worry about it. And he, so he goes, what's that on your leg? And she told him, and she had some rheumatoid arthritis, and she had pain. She was a, a, a PE coach at a, a local school, high school. And he goes, do you mind if I pray for you? He prayed for her the next morning she came to the coffee shop without the tape and she goes for the first time I could sleep I was not in pain I am healed he prayed for another woman's little boy that wasn't speaking and 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 the little boy started saying words now not full vocabulary but he got better than he was and so wherever you are see it's not just for church don't y'all know that person that was what in in Austin and somebody was at a gas station and they got the word of the Lord to pray for him. They were in a wheelchair. See, that man was filling up gas. God had never said, go pray for a paralyzed person in a wheelchair. God had never said that. And then the man had never raised anybody up that was paralyzed. And the woman walked. But the hearing, see, we can't just be strong in hearing. We have to use our hearing and combine it with healing. Because God might get out of the box uh, for you and tell you to do something you've never done before. The woman walked. 
It was a miracle in a gas station, not in a church, not in a Benny Hinn meeting, you know, not, not in a, a Todd White uh, crusade, in a gas station. And so we need to begin listening for rhema words from God, things that God is saying, do this now, and I'm going to do my thing. Do it now, and I'm going to do my thing. Easy was in India on a mission trip. He was praying with people. He was seeing a lot of miracles. In some of these countries, there's actually a high level of faith. And you go, why, why do more people get healed in these other countries when people go on these trips? It's because they have no other alternative. And they are just, they, they have a childlike faith, and they're ready to believe and receive. And sometimes we're so intellectual, we know all the reasons why you can't. And they're just like, the man of God is here. This is my chance. And so Easy's an Indian. He's praying for people, and he's seeing miracles. But he prays for this man's eyes. And as he's finished, the Lord said, now what about you? And he goes, what? And he goes, take your glasses off. And Easy did not wear real strong glasses, but he had some glasses on with a, a prescription glasses. And he took them off, set them aside, and never put them back on. And he got home, and he goes, I can see without them. I go, are you sure? He went to the eye doctor, and he told the eye doctor. And the eye doctor just thought he was a little bit nuts. And they went ahead and did all the vision tests. And he came out, he goes, well, I guess I'll call you Miracle Man. See, he said, what about you? See, what about you? God cares about the people you're ministering to, but he cares about you. See, he cares about you. What about you? What do you need? If you need something, use that faith that you're using for everybody else for you too. One time a little boy came into the old sanctuary when we, the church was in a different location, and they had heard that it, in our church we, we got miracles. We, could, we, we believed in miracles. They went to a church that was spirit-filled, but they just didn't pray for miracles. And I think that's a juxtaposition <laughs> in terms, but... They came, and we prayed all afternoon, and I think Izzy was there, and several people were there, and we prayed all afternoon, and uh, a couple of hours, because we would pray until we felt like we, we got where the Holy Spirit wanted us to get, and we just felt some breakthrough, and Izzy, all of a sudden, the little brother of the boy with the tumor was there. They were going to Mayo Clinic the next morning, and he goes, You're, this, is, this is your brother, right? And he goes, yes, sir. He goes, you love him, right? And he goes, yes, sir. He goes, you lay hands on him and, and pray. Now, I think God had been working all afternoon, but when that little boy laid hands on his brother and prayed, we just felt like, it's finished, it's done, and we just go, you're healed. The father took the little boy to the Mayo Clinic. They did the test again. It was no longer there. The tumor was no longer there. Now, I would have thought they'd start coming to our church, and they didn't. They went back to their church. I'm telling you, we need to get in an atmosphere of faith. See, we need to get where we're not always having to run somewhere else, but God in the house is doing what we need. See, there are people who need what we have, and you need to get them here. We were up at Keith Moore's at Kenneth Hagin's Bible School, and a man had a knee problem, and he goes, uh, do you have a bicycle? And the man goes, yeah. He goes, ride it every day. And see, you might not want to be healed. You might want, but I wanted an instant miracle. No, God says ride the bicycle every day, and then you'll be okay. Sometimes just do what he says. Whatever the word is from God, just do it. And I'll just quickly allude to the time when Easy came up here. He had been going through chemotherapy. He had stage 3 aggressive gastric cancer that hardly anyone lives from. They didn't even expect a man of his age to be able to get through chemo. But he went through chemo with very, very few side effects. And then they had scheduled surgery. But he had had cancer that showed a tumor uh, on a PET scan, a certain size, like 2 inches by 5 inches, ulcerated. It had spread to the lymph nodes. It was putting pressure on some of his spinal cord and different things. And on a certain Sunday, Alan's worshiping, and he said, whoever needs healing, just come to the front, and while we sing, we're just going to believe God. And Sandra and um, Stephanie laid hands on Easy, 
And Sandra had her hand. She, was, she had been our administrator for 12 years. Some of you don't know her. She hasn't been here through COVID. But she laid her hand on Easy's stomach. Easy had his eyes closed. He didn't know who was there. And I saw him sort of stagger, and I thought, oh, he's weak. And then I thought, no, it's not that he's weak. That's the Spirit of God. So I just stayed where I was. And after church, Sandra goes, Lena, Lena, I just felt the cancer left Easy while we prayed. I just felt it came up out of his stomach and out of his head. And I'm like, Sandra is very like discreet and Sandra is very intellectual and I have never heard Sandra say anything this crazy okay the cancer came out of his head and I'm like okay okay and so we walk over to easy and I go easy Sandra has something to tell you he goes no I've got something to tell you and I go what and he goes I don't know who had their hand on my stomach but it was hot he goes and I felt something had started happening to me and it's like the cancer came up out of me and came up out of my head and I go well, this is great, but let's not tell anybody that, okay? It, because it sounded so nuts. But then when he went and got his PET scan, they couldn't find the tumor. There was no cancer in the lymph nodes. And so it came out of his head, and I'm here to say it, and I'm not worried about it. Because however God wants to do it, let's let him do it. Let's let God out of the box. And so who am I? What does the Bible say? I'm the apple of my father's eye. I am his beloved. I am the head and not the tail. I am an overcomer. I am not afraid of anything. I'm forgiven. I'm free from condemnation. I'm an heir and joint heir with Jesus. And I am willing and able to receive healing however it comes. However it comes, because healing is the children's bread, and I am a child of God. Stand to your feet with me. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us on a journey. And we're walking with you, God. We're not going to miss a step. In every part of the journey, you are doing something. You are building something. You are joining and knitting us together. We're not just congregating on Sunday. We are gathering. And there's a part that every joint supplies. Every person is needed. Every part is required. And so, Father, today you're calling us to enlist. We are enlisting in your army, in your healing army, in in the, the army that brings your presence to those that are lost and dying. And so our yes is that we do enlist, God. We do say yes. You commission us, and we say yes. And so, Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you that during the week, we will be sensitive to your voice. If you say something, we will obey. We will obey. We will obey. We will do it. If it's simple, if it's something unique, if it's complex, if it's something we've never done before. God, we might make a mistake, but we'll never get anywhere if we don't just start trying. And so, Father, we'll just be like simple little children, and we'll just try to follow your voice command at a time. And I thank you, Lord, for revival in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen and amen.